0: This was a big and very important discussion that we had going on uh, Friday, and we had to cut it short because uh, the time ran out on us. And so I asked the caller, who called in unprompted. I I would have scheduled him as a guest had I known he had something to say. But he called in unprompted to clarify something about a vote that was upcoming in the Ohio Board of Education. And... um, John Hagan wanted to make sure everybody knew that there wasn't a delay in the vote. This is the standard operating procedure for the way things are done on a resolution like the one that has been presented by Brendan Shea. But uh, after clarifying that, we started talking about the merits of the resolution and the importance of the resolution uh, in order to bring parental rights, if you will, back to the forefront of education to uh, remind everybody that parents are supposed to raise the kids, teachers are supposed to teach the kids and not overtly sexualize the kids, which is sadly something that is going on not just in Ohio but all over the country. Well, John Hagan speaks from a position of authority here or of authority here because he is also a member of the Ohio Board of Education, as is Brendan Shea, and he was kind enough to come back on and talk a little bit more about this now that we are not slaves to the clock. John Hagan, thank you so much for calling back this morning. How are you, sir?
1: I, I am well, Bob, and thank you for having me. Uh, I certainly think that this is an important issue that uh, people need to be engaged in. And, you know, it's for the sake of the children, but it's for the sake of our country, uh, that we don't have these crazy notions, uh, running, uh, without any check. Uh, you know, gender identity is the center of this controversy. And as you know, gender identity is a manufactured concept. Uh, this is, this is about as real as any cartoon or uh, any mythical character. Uh, and the idea that the federal government picks up on a concept like gender identity and tries to run forward with that and force it down the throats of the public is beyond ridiculous.
0: Well, John, you're uh, you're exactly right. Um, and, and what I want to get into here <clears throat> about Brendan Shea's bill is I'd like to get your response to some of the critics that spoke out against that bill last week, uh, when this when this uh, testimony was was given and this opportunity for public comment was given. Um, I was told by Lisa Woods, who was on that board before, uh, she was monitoring it very closely on the Ohio News Channel, that we were getting slaughtered in terms of the numbers. That only about ten or eleven. I think you confirmed this on our phone call last uh, on Friday, John. So we don't have to rehash the numbers again, but I, th- I think it was confirmed that there were around eleven, twelve, thirteen, or something like that <coughs> individuals who that, spoke in support, right. in, who spoke in support of uh, of uh, the the resolution by Shea, but three, four dozen uh, who spoke out against it very passionately, and their overarching argument, as I understand it, is that this is discriminatory. If you do not, if you do not rewrite Title Nine and accept Title Nine with the changes that include gender identity along with girls, which was the original intent of Title IX to protect girls and women, um, that if you don't include gender identity, then you are by definition discriminating against those with different gender identities. That's their argument, and they're saying that the entire resolution is bigoted on that basis, that uh, that it's intending not to help people but to harm little LGBTQ kids.
1: Yeah, and and that's a very hollow argument, isn't it? Uh, And and if you look at the uh, bullying that goes on here, uh, when the Department of Agriculture weighs in and says, we're going to take the food out of your children's mouths if you won't comply with these made-up ideas, uh, that's where the bullying is coming from. Uh, As far as the testimony, I will say this, that for the limited number of positive testimonies for Brendan's resolution, uh, the quality was, uh, no comparison. They they were so much real, more realistic because they're telling the truth. And the other opposite side is not telling the truth. Uh, they have to rely on their made up facts. Uh, and that, that makes it impossible to make a good case. Uh, one of the things that I found interesting was that the volume of those delivering those testimonies in the anti-side, probably for about half of them was cranked way up. Uh, They were speaking very loudly, which, of course, as we all know, as as a human trait, uh, people that are lying oftentimes speak loud uh, so that they can uh, force their idea on someone. And uh, I've always realized, as we all do, that, uh, just because you're saying it loudly or saying it a lot
0: doesn't make it true, right? Yeah, the louder I get, the more right I become. Is is the way some people do it? And I'm a loud guy, by the way. I speak loudly and I speak forcefully, but I but I I like to believe that the substance I am speaking very loudly is what is going to win people over, not just the volume. Um. So, John, <clears throat> when you talk about bullying, uh, and 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 you just brought up a great point about it, uh, I want to talk about kids. Um, nobody is more bullied in schools these days than kids who just believe in the science that they have always been taught, uh, in, in grammar that they have been taught, in parts of speech, that he and him and she and her are uh, you know singular pr- pronouns, uh, plural pronouns like they and their would only belong to a group, not to an individual. And when these kids refuse to go along, and say words that are non-existent, and say words you know that people create their own little uh, pronouns, uh, and are forced to use words that are non-existent when they're forced to use words incorrectly, when they're forced to recognize something that is biologically not correct, um, you know that that uh, you know biological males are, are are identified not just chromosomally but anatomically and so forth. Um, when these kids don't go along with it, they're the ones that are bullied. They're the ones who, who are suspended. They're the ones who are punished. They're the ones whose records are, are in, in jeopardy of being tarnished. Same thing with teachers. If teachers who understand science even better than the kids do, uh, you know, refuse to call a little girl a boy or to call a little boy a puppy, and that's, that, by the way, is not just made up. That's happening too. The interspecies identity is happening now. And if you codify or not codify, if you allow for and accept, you know, gender identity and expression being whatever you want it to be, then you have to accept it all the way through to those things. Um, John, those people are the ones paying the price. They're being bullied. Kids are being bullied. Staffers are being bullied. Staffers are being fired and terminated and suspended if they won't call the kid, if they misgender a kid, or if they uh, say the name uh, a different name than what the kid wants to be called. All of these things are the, where the real bullying is happening, isn't
1: it? That, that's true. And, and I think that one of the rays of hope here is that you see from time to time a uh, lawsuit by some of those teachers that get fired or get ostracized uh, against the school district for not protecting their right as a human being to believe what they believe and so on. Uh, the idea that uh, people have to comply with calling someone whatever they want to be called is ridiculous. Uh, and I, in the, in the picture of bullying, I have to think that this, uh, is relevant to talk about. You know, if I uh, cut my hair in a very peculiar way, if I uh, put my body covered with tattoos and piercings and color my hair all kind of bizarre ways and wear clothes that are totally out of the norm, it would be normal for people to notice me, right, at that point, because that's, would seem to be the objective, right? Yeah, uh,
0: that's the intention. The intention is to look different than other people, so people will notice you. And, and then, once
1: they're noticed, if someone mentions that they think something's different about them uh, in our current society, that's considered bullying.
0: Bingo.
1: Uh, I find that ridiculous. Uh, I think that if you're if you're concerned about bullying, uh, try not to make yourself end out as a target for bully. Uh try to uh, live a normal life like other people, and I think you'll find that uh, that doesn't happen. But also, I think that uh, we have a very lopsided scale, as you pointed out, as to what is considered bullying and what is not considered bullying. And it's based on a bias that uh, some things need to be okay and, and other things don't. And, uh, you know, bullying Uh, You know, I saw this coming way down the road. And when I was in the legislature, Uh, they brought in uh, one of the people from Peter Paul and Mary that was promoting, you know, this anti-bullying initiative, et cetera. But the reality is, this whole thing about bullying, uh, for the drivers of that issue, uh, was getting us to where we are today with this bizarre concept of sex, et cetera. And uh, the, the point I'll continue to make here is, you know, X and Y, X and X, that determines sex. Uh, nothing about gender identity is sex. That's strictly a concept that's made up. And I just want to say that, uh, you know, I really commend Brendan Shea. You know, this young man with six children uh, in a business uh, to run, has made such an effort here and is doing you know, such good work on the, on the board that I really just have to thank him for that effort. Another point that I, I definitely want to get in in today's show, and that is that, you know, in the initial introduction of this resolution, four members came out and made a joint statement against it. Uh, those members are Johnson, Miranda, Collins, and Newman. Uh, they, affirm their support for all of this uh what i consider craziness um and you know that's their business they can do that but looking at the board as it stands you know we have 11 elected members four of those elected members came out against this. the uh bullying you know affects board members uh they don't like that heat so if they get a lot of pressure Uh, some of the people aren't going to vote for this because they don't want to take the heat from these fringe groups that come out and and, uh, protest and so on. Right. But with with all members present, it takes 10 votes to pass a resolution. And eight of those votes are governor appointees. Uh, One of those appointees we know is supportive of this resolution. So unless we have uh, support from the governor appointees, which currently there are eight for the at-large seat, and there's one that was appointed to replace Sarah Fowler when she went to the legislature. Uh, that person, I don't believe, supports this. Uh, so, you know, here we have a situation where this vote, whether it goes up or down, will depend on members who were appointed by Republican governors.
0: So let me ask you this as a follow-up to that. If you just turn on the radio, it's John Hagan with us. John Hagan is a member of the Ohio Board of Education. He's been in the legislature, as you know, and many other positions. John, would it be appropriate for the governor who appointed these people to weigh in and, and to let them know where he stands on this? Now, obviously, he didn't put them there to just be you know, proxy votes for him, I'm not suggesting he say, hey, this is what I demand you to do. I pointed you to that position. But he ought to be able to express an opinion on this. And if it has an impact, perhaps, on the appointees, I think that would be appropriate. Or am I off base?
1: No, I I agree that, uh, you know, here we have the elected leader of our state. Um, He should be involved in these kind of things. He should be. He should have an opinion. He should make that opinion public. And he should be looking at all of these aspects of how things go down in education that affect children and affect families. Now, when you look at this resolution, it is working to stop the federal government from telling teachers and staff at schools not to discuss with parents if a student comes in and says, I want you to call me something that is different than my uh, true gender by sex. I want you to call me something else. Uh, I want to wear a different clothes in school, but I don't want you to mention it to my parents. And, you know, parents should have all the information about their children. They, there's nothing should be shielded from parents' uh, view. And that by itself should be something that this governor should be speaking out on.
0: Do you have any... Um insight into the governor's plans here do you think or is he just going to remain silent because he's so close to his reelection on november 8th uh, any ideas as to whether he may speak on this
1: well unfortunately looking at it from a political standpoint if this were happening in the primary season i think he would be involved i will be surprised and pleasantly so if he steps out and supports uh, a resolution like this in the general election. But now, that's I, yet to be
0: seen. I agree with you. Um, I would be pleasantly surprised by that as well. I have not been pleasantly surprised by very much of anything that Mike DeWine has done, quite frankly, uh, as governor of the state of Ohio. Uh, his well, decisions on COVID were always,
1: catastrophic. I will always give him credit for signing the heartbeat bill.
0: Okay. Uh, agreed. And, agreed. Yeah, that
1: is monumental. Uh, it doesn't make everything else okay. No. But it certainly is something that uh, I have a place in my heart for him over that.
0: Yeah, in fairness, uh, you know, fairness dictates that you give credit where credit is due. And I I agree. I give him credit for that. Um, So much else, uh, not so much. Um, I think he's been a horrific leader. And I think his uh, actions during COVID were reprehensible and indefensible and almost borderline criminal. But I agree that. Yeah, well I'm glad to hear that because I respect your opinion. So John Hagan, uh, uh last last thing here uh, about this um you know you, you referenced it in your second second to last comments, um the parents' role in all of this. Um what do you think parents can do? Um I know I know they could have come and testified and again they were outnumbered or those who did come were outnumbered, but what can parents who maybe aren't speakers, who aren't the kind of people who can come and and uh, you know, come down to Columbus, or maybe they don't have the time or ability to come down and make their voices heard in support of this, but parents who want to say in what their kids are being taught, what is being allowed, what is being forced upon them in schools, particularly girls, whether or not they are being forced into shower rooms with boys, and all of these things that are potential uh, outcomes of this, what can parents who can't be there to do that do to try to sway board members and to try to, um, you know, restore a little bit of sanity to this?
1: Well, I think one, reach out to their board member in this current
0: circumstance.
1: Okay, but the other thing I always always want to point out here is we are a home rule state when it comes to education. So parents need to be fully engaged with their local boards, with their local schools, with their teachers, knowing what's happening in their school and making sure that what happens in their school matches with the way they think their children need to be taught and raised. And if they're not doing that, then they need to look for alternatives.
0: And, of course, the dollar signs come into play there, too, because state funding for each of the individual districts could be you know, at risk if they don't follow what the state's order is here. The State Department of Education decides here by home rule uh you know they could be at risk and then as you pointed out in the very beginning the feds are saying if ohio doesn't comply and go along with this that they're going to withhold funding for uh you know nutrition's nutrition for uh students uh who are uh you know impoverished and in, in having reduced or free lunches and breakfasts and so forth so you know they're threatening to withhold funds to feed kids to get this thing passed in every state you can imagine what the state would then do if some individual school districts buck their ruling, um, you know, if they if they defeat this resolution.
1: And, and further, I just want to say this. For other members of our board, please understand that this does not mandate that the schools do anything. What it does is say this is where your Board of Education stands. This is what we believe and so you know if if they believe that parents should have say about their children's education and about these gender issues they need to vote for this they need to support this and when people say well you're you're putting your will on the uh local school district that's not true what we're doing is saying this is what we would like to see you do we realize that you have the choice of doing what you want in your district
0: Right. And sadly, I don't trust any of those districts, to be quite honest with you. I just don't. Look at what happened in Hilliard. We were talking about the, that's when you called us, called me last week. Yeah. as You heard Jack and I talking about, you know, these the teachers' associations, the teachers' unions are so radical. They are the ones pushing all of this pushing all of it and nobody will stand up to the teachers unions and perhaps that's a subject for another show but that's uh that's the reality of it uh, these teachers unions uh, you know hold so much sway and so many school boards are afraid to do anything uh that counters what the teachers are pushing so uh, well and
1: one of the one of the good news pieces on the union i'll tell you this that there are many districts in ohio that the majority of teachers don't belong to the teachers unions and, and the reason they don't belong is because they don't believe in the things that the union supports. And well, in Ohio, they have that right, they're not forced anymore. Uh, to be part of a union if there's a union existing in that school.
0: And that is a good thing. I agree with you wholeheartedly, John, but obviously there's not enough of them because the votes, the, you know, when the union votes, the, you know, the, the policies pass, and that's essentially. And, and you know what happens is these non-union teachers, they end up being bullied. There's that word again, just like the kids that we were talking about before, if they don't go along with what the, uh, uh, the narrative and the agenda here is, which is, which Absolutely. is just radical gender theory. Um, John Hagan, member of the Ohio Board of Education. John, keep up the good work. I appreciate you filling us in on everything, and thanks so much for the support for Brendan Shea's resolution. Um, we'll follow this to the finish and uh, hopefully talk to you again. Thanks, Bob. Thank you. That's John Hagan. It's 1058. The rest of the show is yours, 216-901-0945, 888-281-1110. Mom, Dad, Grandma, Grandpa? What do you want to see happen in your schools? Do you want to say them what your kids do, or are you happy dropping them off and say whatever happens, happens? We'll get into that again next, AM 1420 The Answer.